0: We started last week looking at this idea of overcoming fear, and we launched off of David and Goliath, a well-known story that we've all learned. If you've come to Sunday school, you've learned that all of your life. And so the next few weeks, I'm going to talk about some weapons that we can have to overcome fear and we can fight fear. The first one that I'm going to talk about tonight almost doesn't make sense until we delve into this a little bit. But let's look at some verses here first. 1 Samuel 15, 22, And it says, And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord. It goes on to say, Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. The first weapon that we use, and we can use, to defeat fear is that of obedience. Okay, it sounds like, well, the first one we we're going plead the blood, and we say it in Jesus' name. And that's, that's all fine, and that's, that's great. But I, I want to look at this and come about this a little bit different way. But the first weapon we're going to look at is obedience. Obedience is doing what's right, no matter the outcome, without fear of the outcome. It's doing what is right. It puts legs on our faith. So, you know, again, if I know that this is right to do and I do it, I don't know what that outcome is. But if it's the right thing, it's always the right thing to do, and so I need to do it. It doesn't matter the outcome, and that's where we can fly in the face of fear, doing what God tells us to do, regardless of our fleshly desires, regardless of what other people may think about it, regardless of how anyone acts about it, we do what God says to do. That is an act of faith. What did Jesus say was the greatest of all commandments? Luke 10, 27, here we go. He answering said, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul and with all thy strength and with all thy mind. And thy neighbor as thyself, the another part of the Bible says, and that's the second is like as unto the first, but we are to love the Lord With all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. But he also said, let's tie John 14, 15 into this. If ye love me, keep my commandments. If obedience is a demonstration of love, no wonder David was a man after God's own heart. David's life is a picture of obedience to God. At a very young age, David could be found tending the sheep. His father asked him. That must have been his job there on the family farm. When David's dad, Jesse, asked him to bring food or take food to his brothers on the battlefield, David quickly complied and took food to his brothers on the battlefield. David was compliant and submissive. He obeyed, did what was right, did what he was supposed to do. David, again, you have to understand this, he had already been anointed king of Israel. And he was back watching sheep, because his dad asked him to. He didn't pull rank. He he wasn't too big to serve. His dad was still his dad, and so his dad asked him to do something, and that's what David did. So our our obedience in the small things of life positions us for the bigger picture and for the bigger things. Does not the Bible say, if you're faithful over few things, God will make you ruler over many? Don't forget the little things. God is working through processes, through steps, and through transitions. I remember I, this, this This fascinates me, and I, I, I meant to look it up. I just have it here in a parenthetical phrase a little bit to remind me. But it's in the Word of God where it says that when the children of Israel were driving out all of the people in the promised land before them... The Bible says they only drove out some at a time because it says if they would have, if everything would have been obliterated, it's too much land and it would have been overrun by animals and all kinds of stuff, it would have been a disaster. So there was a process to take over the promised land and move out the, those that, that were there and to take over those things. God does things in a process he does things through transitions and through steps the thing about our God is he is always moving but his pace may not be my pace because of that obedience can sometimes look like waiting rather than charging forward because being obedient to God it's his pace Often that's what we fear most, staying in the same place for too long. When he calls us, I don't care what he's called you to do. He has a season of preparing us. And how long that season is, is totally up to him. But I have to add some of that may be up to us if we've learned the right lessons along the way. So if we travel around the mountain 47 times, we may have to do that until we learn the lesson. And so those are those things that God prepares us. His calling includes our preparation. I I did this one time as I was teaching the college and I put, I had a whiteboard and I said, I said, you're down here at letter A and your job and you want to get to letter B. Okay, normally we'd go from A, draw a straight line, to B. That's how we'd get there. Quickest, efficient, fastest, we're at B. We've made it, that's our goal. But I took my marker and I went A and then I was going up and down, up and down and up and down and back and forth and up and circled and all over that whiteboard and I drew all over that whiteboard and then I finally got to B. I said, that's how God does things. I said, because you didn't know here, You needed that lesson to get to there. You didn't know when you got there you're going to need these three lessons along the way. Thank God he didn't run me from A to B. Thank God he took his time and I can learn lessons along the way to get me where I'm supposed to be. And he's continually doing that in my life as he is in yours. There is a process that he takes us through. Don't fear the small steps that that he's walking you through. They may lack the luster. They may lack what we ultimately, God has called me to be a missionary. Wonderful. We'll be your sponsor, I promise. And we'll send you and we'll pray over you. And we'll be excited about that. But there's a lot of steps before you get to the mission field. And if those steps including help in the local church and you're not willing to, you'll never be ready for the mission field. There are steps along the way that he has preparing us to get to where we're supposed to be. First Samuel 17 says this, And David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage. He ran into the army and came and saluted his brethren. Verse 23, And as he talked with them, oh, what great timing of God. Behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name out of the armies of the Philistines and spake what he had always spoke. And he was ranting and raving and echoing through that valley and standing there. And David heard him. I love that phrase. Because before all everybody else had heard him, but this time David heard him. And that was his error, and that was the giant's mistake. First Samuel 17:24. And all the men, when they heard the Goliath, when they heard the giant. When they saw the man, they fled from him and were afraid. Can you get this picture? David is coming to the army of God and he is coming to see how they're doing and bring his brethren some food. And all of a sudden he's talking to them, Hey guys, how's it going? Send me a man. And they run like bugs. David's standing there. Where's the courage? You're the army of God. Where are you going? One guy is screaming, and you're all behind rocks. His countrymen were shattered. They were in distress. They were dismayed. They were just scared to death. David was disgusted, not dismayed. 1 Samuel 17, 26. And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine? Taketh away this reproach from Israel. For who is this guy? Who's this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Watch this. David loved the Lord, and he feared god he did not fear that giant he did not fear that man david was hardwired toward obedience he was predisposed to comply with god's command okay because if you love me you'll do what keep my commandments it was an automatic reflex to david he loved him and he kept his commandments David loved the Lord. David was supernaturally empowered to obey the Lord because of that deep love for God. And hearing Goliath shout against the God and against the the army of God, defiling the name of the Lord, it catapulted David into action. Watch, it was not. we never find in Scripture where God said, "David, when you get there, leave these sheep, your dad's going to come talk to you, you're going to leave these sheep, and when you get there, you're going to fight a giant. That never is recorded in Scripture. Nor is it recorded in Scripture when he heard the Goliath, that God overcame over him and said, "David, fight Goliath. Never." Was there a direct demand or command or instruction from God for David to slay the giant or to go fight Goliath? David was simply doing what was right without worrying what the outcome looked like. It was a natural reflex to him because he was so in love with God. Our heart desires can become and should become one with God's desires. Does not the scripture say he'll give you the desires of your heart? He'll put the right desires in your heart. We don't fear because our obedience positions us to ignore the giant of fear. That's why we can face battles is because we're positioned where God wants us to be. And we do what God says to do. And when we do what God says to do, that's David... It, it didn't matter what anybody else thought. It didn't matter what happened. So watch this. Many want to categorize obedience as legalistic. That if we obey God, oh, we've got to obey God. It's this rules and regulations. And... But David's life demonstrates something completely different from that. David's obedience is rooted in love. For his God. And it was a powerful weapon. Love leads to obedience. And loving God does not the scripture say is our greatest mandate. Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And when you love him, you'll keep his commandments. Why is it not hard to keep his commandments? Because he'll put the desires in your heart. It becomes a reflex of what we do and how we act because of our love for him. So this walking in obedience does not just mean following God's step-by-step instructions for our life. That's not what this is about. A little checklist and we go through these, our daily rituals of this. Walking in obedience is essentially our agreement and alignment with the heart of God. It is downloaded into me what he wants and that's what I want to do. And so this is an easy obedience to, this is a be this is an easy thing to obey his commandments because it's the desires of my heart also. Our obedience to him becomes a byproduct of our alignment with his heart. So when I don't obey God, I have to ask myself the question, how much do I love him? Obedience, you will keep his commandments if you love him. Our biggest mandate is to love him. God wants to align our perspectives with his so that when fear comes knocking on the door, we answer it. We don't run and hide. We answer it. We're going to confront it it has no business at our front door. We are a child of the king and I'm not going to shirk away hiding behind some rock when he said this is what we need to do and I want to obey him so I'm going to sling the door open when he knocks at that door. Here's the thing though, so often we fear admitting we're afraid. Tell ourselves things like, well, if I'm afraid, then what kind of faith do I have if I'm afraid? I need you to understand something. We need to break that agreement with that lie. If I fear, then I don't have faith. That's, 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 that's not correct at all. It's when we begin to allow to recognize, wow, I feel fear, that we can begin to address it. When you sense fear, or you feel fear, and you call fear out for what it is, that's when you can recognize it and you can confront it. Because what we're doing is we are acknowledging our limitations and our weaknesses. And when we do that in the natural, it makes room for the supernatural. Watch this verse. You know it well. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. And he said unto me, this is Peter talking about, I prayed and prayed and prayed. And God said, my grace is sufficient for thee. Watch this. For my strength is made perfect in your weakness. He goes on to say, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities. I'll take this thorn in the flesh. That the power of Christ may rest upon me. I don't care what it is, I'll take it because I want His power to rest on me. The truth is, we're human. The truth is, we're gonna fear. It's a natural instinct of the body, fear is normal. It does not make sense to fear being afraid because it might mean you do not have faith. That is a moot point altogether. What we need to do is we need to admit like Paul, I'm weak, I'm afraid, I can't handle this, but I have somebody I know who can handle this, and I'm going to call on him. I know who's stronger than any situation that would come up against this. This perspective then allows me to come to the conclusion that my very real fear is actually irrelevant. Who can stand up against our God? Yes, can fear back me down as a human? Absolutely. Can fear knock me and paralyze me? Absolutely it can. But it is no match for our God. So when we look at it like that, we can look fear in the eye, knowing that it is just an empty threat. I'm going to tell a story here. Guy told me a story not too long ago. He said there was this. He he had some tragedy in his life, and he was at a hospital with his family. And he said, I have never been overcome like this in my life. Fear gripped him and just was relentless speaking to him and just... In his ear, he said, that spirit would come to me at night and tell me tell me just horrible things. I'm going to kill your family. I'm going to destroy this, just relentless and relentless. The Lord said, go to your grandma's and have her pray for you. So he said, I go to grandma's house, and she's up at 6 in the morning. And they're talking in tongues in her living room already. And he said, Grandma, come to your house. I need you. Said, the Lord sent me here. Okay. He said, the Lord sent me here to have you pray for me. Okay, and he started explaining that this fear has just gripped him and telling about this. She goes, okay, now this is making sense. She flips back in her prayer journal and she starts reading and describing God had given her a vision. It was the very hospital room he was in. Told where the nurses were, where the desk was, everything in that God had given that to him or to her. And she said, I could not figure out what this was. And so he came to her, and he, he was like, yes, this spirit of fear has got a hold of me. And so she, she was there, and she said, we're going to pray. He said, she laid her hands on me and started just in on this thing, and it left. He said, I was completely down. He said, I, just peace immediately came. That spirit was gone. He said, thank God. We rejoiced. It was wonderful. He said, then that spirit of fear came back he said, would just meet me in the night, just telling me horrible things. And he said, I would pray, and I would pray, and I would pray. And he asked God finally, and God said, I'm letting this, because again, everybody, everything has to have permission to get near you from God. You're his child. He said, I'm letting this spirit get close to you so you recognize this, and I'm going to teach you something about this. And so he was at this meeting, and, a, and, a, and he was preaching at this meeting, and another man was up in the pulpit preaching. And when he, when this other man went to the pulpit, that spirit came to him and said, I'm going to kill him in the pulpit tonight. I mean, you know, again, it's like, well, there's a bunch of because you can believe what you want. The point is, the spirit world is real. And so he was talking about that. He said, I felt sick to my stomach in that service. Like, I was praying. Oh, God, what? Help me, help me, help going on. Service went fine, people, you know, it was a camp or whatever it was, and everything was fine. He said, We got in the car afterwards, and they were taking us back to the hotel. And he looked over to this other man. He said, he said he wasn't acting right. He said, he asked me, he said, Are you okay? He said, Yes, I'm fine. He said, I get stepped to the pulpit and he said, the enemy comes and attacks my mind, telling me that he's gonna kill me. This other guy said, Yeah. And he said, Let me tell you something. This man told him, he said, let me tell you this. He said, do you know the secret of the spirit of fear? And he's like, no. He said, if the enemy had power to do it, he wouldn't tell you about it. That's his secret. Intimidation. If he was going to kill me off, he wouldn't tell me. He'd just do it. But he's going to come and tell me he's going to kill me off. I'm telling you, somebody needs to get a hold of this because you're about to be released from the spirit of fear that has bound you for years when you understand what this is about. It is all a sham and a lie, and all it is is intimidation. He cannot touch the children of God. He cannot come up against you. God is your protector. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. So I don't have to be afraid of being afraid. I don't have to be afraid of the spirit of fear. Admitting you feel fear is, is, not, is not a key of defeat. It's a being able to defeat the giant as when it's said, I can't do this. I don't know how to do this. And that giant is scary. That giant is noisy. That giant is loud, but God, I trust in you to take care of that giant. And when that happens, the supernatural can happen in your life David saw the same giant he heard the same giant but he did not act in fear why Because he was so connected to God that his spirit's desire to obey trumped his fleshly instinct to fear. David feared the Lord more than Goliath. David's obedience to honor the heart of God took the form of a simple stone that he found and he launched it right into the face of the giant. His alignment with God's heart gave him the right perspective on what to do and it was all driven by his love for him when we are constantly overwhelmed by fear we may need to start asking whether or not our heart is aligned with God 1 John four eighteen, there is no fear in love but perfect love casteth out all fear because fear hath torment he that feareth is not made perfect in love Mm, this is kind of some hard preaching. I understand that, but I'm using the word of God. We have to be able to understand some of the tricks of the enemy that has happened to God's people for centuries and decades and years in our lives. Obedience is not just about a bunch of rules and precepts. God longs for us to follow his precepts and live our lives according to his will. Absolutely, but not outside of fellowship with him. This is not grits your teeth and just oh, trying to live right, trying to do it like this. That is not what this is about. The longing of the heart of God is for us to know him and to grow in love for him. To such a degree that like David, we can't help ourselves but to obey his desires. Because his desires are our desires. He does not ever want us to be more focused on doing things than focused on being near him and the relationship we have with him. We can all look the part, if you know what I'm saying. I've been raised in this, it's just second nature, this is just what we do. I don't think a thing of it, just my culture, it's how it's normal to me because I was born into this. And I can look it and not be it. I can act it on one day and not act it in front of somebody else. But you have to understand, do I believe in outward holiness? Absolutely. Do I believe that we need to be separate from the world? Absolutely. But do I believe we must have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Yes, that is imperative to where this comes from. This relationship does not mean you'll not fear. That's humans we're going to fear. But you'll feel that you have the weapon of obedience in your hand and you'll be able to use it effectively against any giant before his tactics come and intimidate you and they can begin to build faith in you. Understand this again. David heard the same giant, but he was not there long enough. He didn't think everything through. Well, what about this and what about that? And what about this and what about that? He didn't have time to think everything through. All he knew was he came up against God and that was good enough for him. You're going down because you came up against God and against His will. That is what obedience does. John 16:33. These things that I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world, you'll have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. This is not a quick fix. To us, or just slap away fear, and we can't just many times win the battle overnight. God designed a solution to overcoming fear that's better than just a quick fix, that's better than just slap a bandage on it. Instead of some external remedy, where somebody pray, that's fine, you understand, I believe in prayer, somebody rebuke it, and yes, I believe that can happen. And that's all fine. But instead of just an external remedy, this victory that I'm talking about is something that begins way down on the inside of us. Because we start to take on a new posture and it starts to make us resistant to the intimidating, loud, once all-consuming effect of the giant's cries. He turned those things off. Bold and confident actions absolutely can be of God. They absolutely can be effective. But again, I'm trying to drive home here. Don't you forget the seemingly small steps toward victory that are so significant. Are you better? Are you in a better place than you were a year ago? If you are, you're making proper small steps to defeating some things in your life. Don't ever forget those or think those are not necessary. We've got to stop overlooking the power of consistent minor shifts in our posture and in our perspective and in our behavior and in our actions. Then we've got to stop looking at the big tall monument things and the big tall stepping stones. Yes, those are important, but don't miss the little small steps that we're taking towards him also. Are you moving in the right direction? You may not be completely there yet, but you're moving in the right direction. You're heading towards victory. It's step by step, one step at a time. One thing about God is he, he, he's amazing in so many things, but God likes to do the unexpected. Let me look at some scriptures. 2 Corinthians twelve ten. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. (laughs) What's that about? In reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. Paul's saying, I take pleasure in that. Why does he say that? For because when I'm weak, the supernatural happens. When I can't do it, God comes and does it for me. Matthew 5.5, 5, blessed are the meek. Because they'll get run over. Blessed are the meek. I take advantage of them. Blessed are the meek. They'll inherit the earth. That's upside down. That's the unexpected. First Corinthians 1 Corinthians 1.27, but God hath chosen the brilliant minds of society. God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. You have to understand something about our God. He will not share his glory with anybody. And so when I think I can do this all on my own, fine, buddy, do it. But when I say in my weakness, I need you, that's when he can show his supernatural strength to me. So when it comes to overcoming fear, the best posture we can have is to take one of not prideful confidence uh, in our victory, but we take a posture of humility and submission to the Lord. Didn't say wimpy. Didn't say chicken and out. But we humble ourselves before God. We humble ourselves to his will for our lives and actions because he said he'll raise us up let god do the work we can't do it on our own we can be at peace how can that be even in the middle of a storm yes because god is with us he can calm us he can take care of us let's, let, again let me let me spin this out a little bit let's go back to our story look at david David certainly, I don't think he might say, well, David's a little, he's, you know, he's kind of wimpy. I don't think, he ripped a bear apart. You know, took a lion's head off. I, I don't think he, we'd say he's wimpy. So David was not wimpy. We always think of him as bold and courageous. And, and yeah, there is that. But I, I'm, I want to paint the picture a little bit here that he was also meek and submitted to the things of God. Let's go to 1 Kings 19.11. Elijah's encounter, he said, go forth and stand upon the mountain before the Lord. Behold, the Lord passed by. Great and strong wind rent the mountains and break them into pieces, the rocks before the Lord. The Lord wasn't in the wind. After the wind and earthquake, just rattling and rattling. The Lord's not in the earthquake, 12. And after the earthquake, a fire, huge consuming fire. The Lord's not in the fire. After the fire, just a still small voice. 13. And it was so when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering and out of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? Does the Lord have the power to shake mountains? Absolutely. Does the Lord have the power to cause hurricanes and winds and get our attention? Absolutely. But his whisper is no less mighty. It's coming from Almighty God. So David stepped into chaos and maintained peace from the time he entered that valley to the moment he cut off that giant's head. Because David defeated him through courage he carried in his heart. It wasn't a show. It wasn't on bigger than everybody else. It had nothing to do with his own ego. Watch, that courage caused him to look at his brothers and say, what is happening here? He started to get some facts. He started to get some information. That courage took the next step and got him in front of Saul. What is happening That next courage is is saying, "I can't wear something I've this armor that I've not proven." It it didn't. That courage took him to the stream where he picked up only five smooth stones. That courage. These you understand these steps that were happening. He didn't say, "Send me a man." All right, here I come. It's not what happened. He's like, "What is this?" Let me get some information here. Let me go to the right protocols. Let me go through the right channels and let me find out what's going on. And step after step, he could have stopped any time. Well, I tried, Lord, but Saul's armor didn't fit me. He could have stopped any time. Well, at least I got to the river and got some stones out. And boy, oh, he was oh, he's really big up close. He could have stopped any time. But David did not react to fear. He responded to it, filtering through what he knew of God. David's posture of submissive obedience made a pathway of courage that, that not only allowed him to defeat it, but enti- the entire army, the Bible says, surged forward when that happened. One guy. One guy who said that's enough. Solomon wrote this admonition in Proverbs five three five. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he'll direct your paths. That humility, that submission to authority requires trust. Do I trust God? Is he worthy to be trusted? You understand. You can't assume the posture of obedience without humility and submission to Him. Look at Mary's story, Luke one twenty-eight. And the angel came in unto her and said, "Hail." Thou art highly favored. The Lord's with thee. Blessed art there thou among women. And he went through all this stuff, what God wanted to do. And he then informed her that she was a chosen to carry the Messiah. Do you understand the implications of what this meant for this young girl? And so all of this stuff and her response should light a fire under every single one of us. Luke 1 And Mary said, behold, the handmaid of the Lord. Be it according, be it to me unto me according to thy word. The angel departed from her. Instead of arguing or giving into any fear, she came into the agreement with what God had simply said to her, and she complied with that. That kind of trust requires a relationship with him, a close relationship with him. She trusted him because she knew who he was and that he could be trusted. The same is true of David's walk with the Lord. The pattern is always the same. Listen very carefully. The pattern is always the same. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. That's our command. Love leads to obedience, obedience builds trust. Trust creates an atmosphere in which submission flourishes. And a life of humble submission to God leads to triumph over every foe that's in your life. That's how this works. I'm gonna do it on my own. Go right ahead. You're no match. But this humble humility, this submission to the will and plan of God, that is what brings triumph. That is what brings victory. God's looking for people who will posture themselves before him as willing vessels and say, do to me as you please. Here I am. As we form a supernatural habit of obeying his voice instead of the voice of fear, we become spirit-based thinkers because when he says go, we just go because we know he goes before us, because we trust him. And we obey him. Mark nine twenty three. Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believe. What are we saying? Do you believe? Just grit your teeth and believe real heart? No, what this is saying is when I have so aligned myself with him, and his desires are my desires, and I trust and obey him, yes, then doors will open. Yes, then I can have the supernatural. Things will happen in my life because of my posture to him. Here's the thing, folks. The enemy knows all this. It's unlikely with one battle he's going to alter your love for God. But his plan is intimidation. He will do anything and everything he can to bully you into trusting him more than you trust God. Oh, we make a joke of it, but I know it's true sometimes. We, powerful church service, you know, people oh, slaying the Spirit and carrying people out drunk in the Spirit. It's wonderful. And, we, and then we always say, oh, God, whew, we better be prayed up this week. The devil's going to attack. You have more faith in the devil than you have in God that just did wonderful things? We say things like that. Flat tire, the devil's after me. I doubt it. It's probably a nail in the road. But you understand what we're doing? We're giving credence to the devil. In so many areas, and so many things, we trust him. We trust him to mess our life up more than we trust God to make our life right. But when we can start to shift, and we can start to shift our perspective, and when that happens... Instead of a posture of meekness before the Lord and the devil can intimidate us, we start to slump our shoulders and we start to become timid and despair. We become demoralized instead of empowered. And we, here's where we pray for quick fixes. I am struggling with fear. Some of you elders come and palm my head and get this devil off of me. And, and yes, and, and I believe that will work. Sometimes, when our heart's not right and we're not where we should be, it will come back. But if we begin to posture ourselves under God's hand, this intimidation that the enemy used, that's what Goliath was doing to this army. It was a matter of the mind. Folks, get this picture. He had not thrown any sticks at anybody, he had not kicked anybody, he had not thrown a javelin at anybody. Nothing. He stood there screaming. And he got in their ears and got in their mind and played all kinds of mind games with them. And they were defeated from the inside out before one, one thing, before anybody went into battle. 1 Corinthians 2.16. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. When our mind is stayed on him, when our mind is trusting in him, the enemy cannot win. As long as we take time to remain focused on God, fear will not be able to intimidate us and back us down because we understand who we are in him and we understand that we're in love with him and it is a natural reflex to just obey what God has told us to do. Do you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? If so, why are you giving the voice of the giant access to your thought life? He has no business doing that. If you love God, 1 John 4, 4, I'm out of time here. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. They're of the world, therefore they speak, uh, they of the world, and the world heareth them. We're of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that's not of God heareth not us. Hereby we know, hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of air. So again, trying to wrap this up here, and I've got several more pages, but Trying to find a closing point here. What's keeping you from trusting the Lord enough to submit to Him, to admit when you're afraid, to step back and let Jesus fight your battle? You've got to be willing to admit what's going on. Give yourself grace, yes. Embrace the process, yes. Because God's developing us, God is helping us, He's trying to do things through us and for us. So I'll ask you as we stand, I'll give you hope here. If for any reason you hesitated in saying, Yes, that you do love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, you need to spend some time with Jesus. Because it's amazing when I get in His presence. I don't care what has overwhelmed me. I don't care what my thoughts. I don't care anything. But when I get in his presence and I look full in his wonderful face, all of a sudden things start to line up differently. Things start, the perspective starts to be a whole lot different. And I trust him. And I can say like Mary did. Here I am. Use me. And when I do that, I have what is called the the weapon of obedience. And fear is no match for that. I simply walk and go and do what he tells me to do without fear of any outcome because I know who I am in him. I pray, oh God, that you would touch each one in this room. Let the Holy Ghost saturate us so heavily in this place. That oh God, our our wills and our, our lives, we submit everything to you. Lord, this is about you and this is your kingdom, and you've you've set things up for your glory. And so I pray, oh God, that those that are battling with fear, whatever that's whatever, and for however long it may be, oh God, I pray that you would help them to understand that when they get close to you, that when they humble themselves before you and admit, Lord, I can't, I can't do this on my own any longer. That's when the supernatural can start taking place. That's when the posture can start to be different. That's when they can start resisting and the enemy will flee because you promised these things, oh God. But I pray at the very bottom, Lord, the very basic things, we get it right. Our relationship with you. And Lord, so that we can trust you. And that we can do the very first command of loving you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And let that be demonstrated by our call to action to keep your commandments. Bless each one, I pray. Let us be led by the Spirit, O God. I rebuke any lie of the enemy. I rebuke every seed he would try to plant in this church. I rebuke anything that would try to come up against the will and plan of God. I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. Lord, this is your kingdom. This is your church. In the name of Jesus tear down every stronghold that would set itself up in opposition against your word, O God. I pray it in the name of Jesus. I plead the blood of Jesus that there would be protection, that there would be strength and help, O God. I pray that you would help us to humble ourselves before you, O God. Somebody pray in this house in the name of
1: Jesus. (laughs) Cashatara Boko, Moro Boko, Sotorubukaya, Kia, Maya, Yabos, <laughs> Sotorubo, Cashatara Boko, Sotorubukaya, Shataya. I amana bokusho mana kai abosotoro bokushatai ya. Oh mana mana bokusho torobo kushata tata ya. I akabo koso ya shata ta Heo makoshatataia, kiabo koshatata na bosoto toto, yo your cobble kobo
0: I stand in the gap and pray for mercy, God. I pray for
1: mercy, God. I pray for mercy, God. Turn your anger from us, oh God. I pray for mercy, God.
0: I have wrestled in the spirit all night long last night. And please, I don't want anybody overthinking point for anything like that. But I'm telling you, I, nor you, nor anybody will stand in the face of what God wants to do at the sanctuary. His will will be done at the sanctuary. And if he has to remove me, remove me. His will will be done at the sanctuary. And again, I'm not, please don't misunderstand. I hope you understand my heart. I'm not saying it out of anger or of anything like that. I'm just simply saying what God has downloaded into my spirit. I have watched in this vision as I stood in the gap and begged God for mercy for people in this church. I beg of you to sit at the feet of Jesus and get as close to him as you possibly can get to him. That is where there's safety and that is where there is protection at the feet of Jesus. That starts with me. I've got to be at the feet of Jesus. Every one of us has got to be at the feet of Jesus. But I want his will done. I don't want my will done. I want his will done. I hope you understand the seriousness of what I'm saying. I have lived long enough to see people get in the way of God's will, and he has removed them. Oh, God have mercy. I'll dismiss you, but I'm going to pray for a minute because we still don't have a complete breakthrough here. God needs to get a hold of some people's heart in this place.